Lord, indeed, you are our reason to live. You're the reason behind this season. And even in these next few moments now, we would focus on you, Jesus Christ, and pray that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes to the centrality of your role, not only throughout the community, but particularly in our lives as we seek the spirit of Christmas this year. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. The other evening I was over at the Stanford Mall and listening to two guys in front of me, one saying to the other, you know, I think this whole Christmas thing is ridiculous. Why go through all these gyrations over a myth no one cares about? I used to believe in this stuff as a kid, but it doesn't mean much to me anymore. And I reflected on what that man said. I wondered how widespread his feelings really are. Obviously, this particular man felt he had outgrown a personal need for Christmas, and the stuff he believed as a child wasn't working for him anymore. Jesus wasn't relevant to his life. And I want to ask us as believers, how do we feel about Christmas, really? Does this drama of the manger still cause our hearts to sing with childlike joy and excitement? Or have the events in our lives, the many Christmases many of us have been through, sort of replaced the wonder and the joy with now just an inner feeling, if we're honest, we just want to get through it, get beyond it. Now, I understand a growing skepticism about Christmas among those who are outside the church, who don't know Jesus. Who could blame them? When all the spiritual dimensions of this holiday have really been replaced with what this guy calls stuff. Without Jesus as our focus, we're going to outgrow the emotion of Christmas like we outgrow our preoccupation with the toys that we had as a child. But as Christians, I know the Lord doesn't want us to lose our joy. God planned Christmas, we didn't. And these days of Advent have meaning for the believer if we know how to search during this time for what God has for us. But quite honestly, some of us could be in a doubt attack about the relevance of Christmas this year. And my prayer is that God is going to surprise us with new joy, a new assurance, a new closeness to our Savior as the result of going through Advent together. And to help us, I want to study a character we usually don't associate with Christmas, one known as Doubting Thomas. Thomas had been so disillusioned by the death of his Savior that he refused to share the joy and the excitement of the other disciples when news broke that the resurrection had taken place. Thomas, filled with doubt, boldly stated, unless I see in his hands the print of the nail and put my finger in the print of that nail and put my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe. Sort of like the feeling, I'm approaching Christmas. All other believers seem to be usually excited about the Christmas miracle. But I can't get a fire going in my heart, as hard as I try. I find Thomas's story very encouraging to those who might be afflicted with dullness in our souls this year about Christmas. So let's do look at his story and see what he has to offer us. First, we learn that Jesus does not reject us for going through periods of doubt. Actually, if you think about it, it's quite easy to doubt, to walk through a mall and cold water, throw cold water on Christmas if one doesn't know the Jesus of Christmas. 
What hurts is if we believers allow ourselves to get so shredded and stressed out by life that we begin to adopt the cynicism of the thinking of those out there who are trying to make some meaning out of Christmas without knowing Jesus. Of course the season is secular. It's totally materialistic out in the malls. It always has been. There's never been a period in American history where Christmas wasn't secular. We're always talking about the good old days. Study it, there never were good old days, except for those Christians who put the Spirit of God into Christmas. Now add that to the possibility that maybe this has been a difficult year in your personal life. A lot of hurts, a lot of disappointments, and, and perhaps like Thomas, you have doubts in the form of questions. Not the same questions, these are your questions, like, why does the approach of my Lord's birthday fill me with dread rather than joy? Why do I feel so trapped by schedules and ought-tos that I can't even find the quiet I need to contemplate the season? Happily, I can affirm Jesus doesn't withdraw from us when we have those feelings, when we're struggling inside. You see, Thomas was like us. He was a thinker. And after the crucifixion and apparent defeat of Jesus, his logic set in. Jesus didn't make sense as a Messiah hanging helplessly on a cross. And then Thomas looked at the other disciples and realized they weren't very sophisticated. They were basically uneducated, gullible people who would believe anything. And he felt he was too sharp for that delusion. And then as he looked back on the three-year ministry of Jesus, that too seemed kind of illogical. Most of Christ's miracles were, uh, of healing were performed on insignificant people in insignificant places out of the public eye, and there was no social clout as the result of his miracles. And Thomas realized this isn't the way a Messiah would position himself for power. Again, many of us struggle with doubts. Not again, the same as Thomas's, but... Let's say many of us want Jesus still to meet the logic of our criteria for our needs. Maybe to make life smoother. Maybe to solve that hurt that goes on and on. And, and when he doesn't, we begin to question. Now, I don't know your agenda of doubts, but I know you have them. There are some classic doubts that come out in our new member class every time, like, do I have to believe in the creation story as recorded in Genesis, or can I believe in evolution and still be a Christian? Or what about people in other religions who don't know Jesus? How could a loving God condemn anybody? Or how do we relate the love of Jesus to all the sin and evil in today's world after 2,000 years of his influence? What kind of an enterprise is this? You know, basically though, the question that always comes out is how do I relate the love of Jesus to all that's happening in my life. There seems to be a confusion here. And you and I do that quite often. And these doubts then, you see, kind of gather momentum through the year and then they spill over into the Christmas miracle. And we come to church and everything's kind of happy and joy-filled and, and, and we begin to wonder, in terms of our life, is this season nothing more than a commercially driven holiday? A myth, wishful thinking, filled with stuff, as the guy calls it. You know, personally, at times, it would be quite easy for me to doubt Christmas if I didn't know Jesus, if I didn't possess a lifetime memory bank of my Lord's faithfulness, his interventions into my life. I look at my prayer journal, and I see 12 months' worth of answers to prayer. You see, I know Jesus. If you're a believer, you know Jesus, and that makes all the difference. 
The problem with the guy in the mall questioning the value of the Christmas celebration is he didn't have a personal relationship with a resurrected savior. So it would be very logical for him to be kind of cynical about this holiday. It's sort of like uh, we were the other night in Chevy's and eating and a group of wait waiters kind of suddenly came to the table about two places away and they s gathered around saying happy birthday. And they, you know, they do, if you've been there, they give a sombrero to the person being honored and it's kind of an interesting thing. Those at the table who knew and loved the person being honored, they were filled with joy. They got, they got into the party. But the rest of us, having to sit around the party, didn't know the people. What was going on was a nuisance at best. We sort of felt invaded because we didn't know the person being honored. And I thought, you know, that's how it is with Christmas. It's easy to be a skeptic of Christmas and all the stuff that goes with it if we don't know Jesus. Somebody walking into our congregation here, if you don't know Jesus and you see all of this, how would you understand it unless you understand that the symbols that we're putting out here, presents and decorations, are symbols of our love for someone we love deeply, Jesus Christ. If we don't know Jesus, think how really, to a sophisticated mind, Christmas is. God in a manger, like this little baby we baptized, God in flesh in a tiny little thing like that, born of a virgin, shepherds, wise men, angels, and then later a rejected, crucified Messiah that Christians claim is the only way to know God and find eternal life. That's kind of difficult stuff if we didn't know Jesus, but we do. And then you add all of our personal struggles and worries and frustrations and burdens. And if you want to, you can find all kinds of ammunition to become a doubting Thomas this Christmas, if you didn't know Jesus, but we do. You know, I'm happy to say today, I know Jesus better than I know anyone or anything in this world. He's alive. I know he loves us. I know he's sufficient for every need that might be breaking our hearts this Christmas. He hears every groan, he sees every tear, and he's promised he will never, never leave us no matter how much we doubt or how far we feel separated from him. And that's good news. You see, our Lord came, our Lord is here with us, and he's never going to go away. Well, maybe you want to believe what I just said, but fear and doubt still is sort of gripping your heart. What do you do about that? I want to tell you first and foremost, Jesus doesn't withdraw from us when we're filled with questions, actually with more questions than we have answers. He comes to us. Wasn't it interesting in the room when he appeared that out of all the 12 disciples, the one who was most flagrant in his doubting of Jesus, Jesus went to him. Thomas didn't go to Jesus. Jesus came to him. He says, Thomas, it's me. It's okay. And, and he didn't come offering more data about himself to Thomas. All he gave was himself. And I found it fascinating in the story that our Lord's presence was enough for Thomas. Thomas never did reach out and touch his hand or his side in the record. He didn't have to. Jesus was there. And I want to tell you, if you're in the grips of doubt this season, I believe Jesus is going to come to you. That's the reason for the Advent season, if you're truly seeking him. I don't know how and I don't know when, maybe in a worship service, maybe through the love of a friend, maybe through an unexpected intervention in your life. It's in those moments when we experience the resurrected Christ that our doubts begin to, dis to dissolve, not through data, but through a presence. 
December is a tough month for our staff in terms of the demand of this season, and recently I was feeling very drained. I needed assurance that all the labor of ministry for Christmas was worth it, because sometimes you doubt it. And providentially, I experienced the presence of Jesus through a friend. Almost immediately, through a very brief encounter with one who was legitimately concerned about me, I was given a transfusion of strength. And what's interesting is this person probably didn't even know what they did for me. But Jesus met me through a person. And I, I, I was just, it was changed. I was ready to preach this week. Now I want you to keep in mind, when we're celebrating Christmas this year, it's not totally different from hosting a birthday party at a restaurant for one we love. And maybe those who don't know the person being honored can't understand or fully participate in our celebration. But we know what we're doing because we love Jesus Christ. So all of our trips to the mall, the decorating of our homes, the decorating of this sanctuary, the music, all the things that we do are symbols of our love for Jesus. Therefore, it isn't stuff, it's a beautiful expression of love. Monday night, we decorated this tree. And I was so impressed with one of the persons who were sort of responsible, and, and she stood back here and she watched as we put every ball, and it sent us crazy at times, but everything had to be perfectly placed so that it would be a right presentation for Jesus Christ. By the way, there's 9,000 lights on that tree. And this is something, why do we do it? As a symbol that we love Jesus. The things the man in the mall called stuff we call symbols of our Savior's love. <clears throat> Someone we care about deeply is having a birthday, and we're gonna celebrate it with all of the vigor the Holy Spirit will pour into our hearts this year. It's just that simple. But meanwhile, what can we do to cope if our fire just isn't lit yet, if we're still in a doubt attack? I believe times of spiritual dullness and struggle are not wasted times. If properly used, struggles with faith offer us a rich opportunity to strengthen our relationship with our Lord, as was the case of Thomas. Do you realize doubting Thomas was really the first person ever in history to confess Jesus as Lord? He should be called Confessing Thomas. Thomas gives us clues then of how to cope during a doubt attack. First and foremost, he hung around the disciples in spite of his doubts so that he was in the room when Jesus came? What if he had just decided to absent himself from worship, from church? I want you to know if you're a doubter today, you're welcome here. The disciples welcomed Jesus, uh, welcomed Thomas. They heard his doubts, but they, he was there and he was, he was still one of them. And you're one of the, us, even if you're going through a doubt attack. Secondly, he was honest with other disciples about his doubts, didn't hide them. You don't have to hide your doubts here. And above all, he didn't behave irresponsibly like Judas, who cut himself off from a relationship with Jesus and was lost. So if you're struggling with faith this morning, take some aggressive action. What do you do? Persevere in remaining in the company of other believers. Don't stay away from worship. And I guarantee you, Jesus is gonna show up. And you might wanna seek out certain believers and, and tell them about your struggle. We can handle it. We have them too. And you might want to try prayer again, telling Jesus about your struggles and all your disappointments and your frustration between trying to equate his love with what's happening in your life. And ask him to reveal himself to you in ways that will make him real for you this Christmas. And then finally, be patient and wait. 
and don't do anything irresponsible that you're gonna regret later. The greatest Christians I know, without exception, have been through the wilderness of doubt and come out the other side stronger than ever. I look forward to celebrating our Lord's birthday again this year with you. I am a Christmas freak as I've been called, unashamedly so. I love every part of it. And our celebration this year is gonna be filled with more wonder and excitement and joy than ever before. Why? Because we've had another year of getting to know and love Jesus. And because these truths upon which we stake time and eternity are really true. Namely, Jesus loves us and has forgiven our sins if we accept him as savior. We know we will be with him forever in heaven, which is the best answer in history for our mortality. Christmas is the light that dawned in today's world's darkness, and it's never going to go out. My prayer for you who doubt is that before Christmas, you're going to discover a new certainty that Jesus is who he claims to be, find a new closeness. In fact, you know, all of us need a transfusion of Christmas, and that's why God had it as an annual event. And I, I, I look forward at some moment for each of us in the days ahead where we're going to experience in that special way, as Thomas did, our Lord's presence. And then when we have that moment of experiencing Jesus, we're going to join Thomas, fall on our knees, and confess again this year, my Lord and my God. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, we're so glad that you don't withdraw from us when we doubt you. We're so glad as a church that there's plenty of room in here for people who struggle with faith or who have no faith yet, that your arms are open and you envelop us, you greet us, you receive us, you welcome us. Lord, in these days ahead, if we don't doubt, help us to help those who do. If we do doubt, God, heal our hearts so that we can rediscover our joy. I pray in Christ's name, amen.